Hi, I'm really glad you joined us online today. This Sunday, December 5th, 2021, is our first Sunday in our building that we've leased. I am so grateful to God for his provision, and I hope you can join us sometime in the building. That's going to be a good thing for us and our mission. At Christmas time, there's a tremendous amount of anticipation and preparation. Let's face it, and I'm not proud of this, but I'm going to admit, when I was a kid, I would sneak a peek at the gifts under the tree because I couldn't wait for Christmas. I've matured over the years, and some in my family might argue with this, but at least in my mind, I know it's better to wait, to load up and wait for Christmas Day. Or Christmas Eve, whenever you open your gifts. This, this lines up, waiting lines up with the, the first Christmas, really. The nation of Israel looked forward to the promised king who would deliver them for centuries, even millennia, a couple thousand years. They had no option to wait. Uh, but to wait on God's perfect timing for stepping into our world in the person of Jesus Christ. How do you get prepared for the Christmas season? Everyone has traditions that are meaningful to them, and we celebrate in different ways. And for me, it's hard to celebrate on cue. I have to get in the mood for the Christmas season. But without fail... I get drawn into the celebration at some point. Now, I have had a couple years as a Scrooge, but I'm all in now. I've worked through my struggles with the season being so commercialized. That's why I was a Scrooge. But I really enjoy the season of celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. And we all celebrate in different ways. Many of us put lights on the home, on our homes. Uh, here's a classic look. These are classic lights. Here's a family who has gone all out and kind of like Clark Griswold. Each family has its own style of, Chris, of trimming the tree. Uh, some string popcorn to put on it. I remember that. That's classic. I I look forward to Cindy's tree every year, and frankly, I think it's like a better homes and gardens uh, tree. She was actually hired by a company to decorate their Christmas trees, so I guess you could say she's a professional. Um, Christmas goodies are always fun to enjoy. You, you probably have your own favorites. Uh, here's some classic Christmas cookies and hot cocoa is always good to have. There are many presents to wrap. In in this picture, there's like this pleasant aura as they admire one another as they're wrapping the gifts. Our house is a lot more stressful than that when we're wrapping the gifts. But I'm grateful to have gifts to wrap. Um, And then there are the Christmas movies. It's a Wonderful Life is the top movie on the IMDb 100. White Christmas, number 46. 
I personally think it should be higher than that. I, I think I it's it's in my top five for sure. But you know, I'm a sucker for a good musical. And then Christmas Vacation is very popular. It's number five on the list. I really enjoy Christmas parties. They help set the mood. And I look forward to being invited to them. Sometimes I get mixed up on the details and I have to make sure I've got them right. I check with Cindy and she's she's more in line with the details than I am. We don't want to miss what God has done for us at Christmas for everyone who has faith to trust him. He has given us an invitation and we don't want to miss the details of that invitation. This season is a celebration of the fact that God stepped into our world in the person of Jesus Christ so that we could know him. In this message and series, we want to focus on the truth behind divine descent, the divine descent into our world. Jesus entered our world in a very quiet way. But what a crucial event that most of the world in his day missed entirely. Only a few shepherds were invited to the first Christmas. But they were changed in the moment as the angels sang and celebrated what God had done in Jesus Christ. We don't want to get drawn into the celebration of the season and miss the details of God's invitation to us. We just don't want that. John, an apostle and one of the eyewitnesses to the life of Christ, he wrote, five books in the New Testament, and he invites us to check out important details about the life of Christ. When he wrote his biography covering Jesus' life, before diving into what Jesus said and did, he wrote a prologue that shows who Jesus was. The first 18 books, or 18 verses of the book of John make sure that the people who read it know Jesus' true identity. You know how in some movies there's a suspense that follows the veiled superhero and the questions asked, who is that man behind the mask? John, in his prologue, reveals the identity of the key figure in the story and this person's existence is unlike any other in the in the history of the world. This is important because some miss the detail, the important detail of Jesus' identity. Some people think Jesus was maybe a miracle worker or some kind of magic man. Some would say he's a messenger, a really good teacher, or a prophet. Some even would say he's the greatest teacher of all time. Some Someone who seemed to have the, all the answers to the questions of life. He was extremely caring and kind, kind in the opinion of some. And I, I mean, that's my opinion. But was he more? John's prologue, prologue <laughs> John's prologue, 
Oh my goodness, that's hard. Easier said than done. Either thought than done. Um, John's prologue sets the record straight on who he was. We learn in the first few verses of John that Jesus was the creator who came to relate to the people he created. John 1, 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him not one thing was created that has been created. John is drawing in two audiences here, both Jews and Greeks who were non-Jews. They're also called Gentiles in the scripture in the New Testament. But he starts out by saying, in the beginning was the word. This phrase would have drawn Jewish folks back to the beginning, the account of creation in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning. Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So he pulls in Jewish listeners with this familiar phrase, in the beginning. Then he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Jews understood this, this the word, the Greek word that is translated word in this passage is logos. And it, it's the, the abstract principle of reason and order. Logos to the Jews would have been the expression of divine power and wisdom. But to the Gentiles, to the Greeks, the educated Greeks, they would have understand Logos to mean the abstract principle of reason and order in the universe. So to the Greeks, Logos was the creative force behind the world and the power that made everything. I think everyone would have been tracking through verse 1. And then the word in, in, in verse 2 becomes personal. He was with God in the beginning. This is personal. The word is personified. The word is a he. <laughs> That's an amazing thing. He is eternal because he existed. He already existed in the beginning before the world was made. He was with God the Father there at the beginning of the creation of the universe. Look at verse 3. All things were created through him. God spoke the world into existence. And it would be good to check the account of creation in Genesis 1, that whole chapter. It's great. John is making sure, though, here that his readers are connecting dots. He was specifically concerned that Jewish folks understood the identity of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is God himself, is what, what John is saying. This would have been clear to the Jews what John was declaring here. 
The word he is writing about in this book is the creator of the heavens and the earth. John reveals the identity of this person, the word, in verse 14. He writes, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John makes his point clear, drawing in anyone who might explore the biography of Jesus that he wrote, that he's writing. And this is God in the flesh. He took on flesh to connect with us so that we could get to know him. And we call this God taking on flesh, the incarnation. Look at another passage written by another early church leader, Paul. He started several churches uh, throughout the, the Roman world of his day. And he wrote about this, about Jesus, to one of the churches he started in Colossae, and, which is now in modern Turkey. But this is what he said in, in Colossians 1, 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers and or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. This matches up perfectly with John 1. There may be confusion in our day, but the Bible is consistent. It's very clear on the identity of the person of Jesus Christ. The Creator came to relate personally to us, to the people that He created. Let's take that a step further and, and allow it to sink in. The Creator went to great lengths to connect with us. From birth to death, He walked in our shoes. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He lived the life that a human person lives. God stepped down from heaven to earth, and He took on human form. He had flesh and bones, blood running through his veins. He felt the effects of our human existence. He got hungry and thirsty. He became tired. He enjoyed life on earth. He laughed. He he smiled. He celebrated. He savored a great meal. He could also experience pain. He experienced pain. He wept with people who experienced loss. He was ridiculed at points. I mean, he, he was made fun of. And he was unjustly accused. He was punished and beaten and physically felt pain. And eventually, he suffered the agony of, of a death on the cross. And he felt it all. He he went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. Jesus never sinned, 
But in every other way, he walked in our shoes. He knows what it's like to be one of us. He did this because he wanted us to feel understood. When someone has walked in your shoes and then they try to speak into your life, if they have known your life truly, you feel understood by them and you trust them. And that's what God was doing in Jesus Christ. He was drawing close to us. He was coming near to us so that we could see a better, clear picture of God himself. By descending from heaven to earth and coming as a man, Jesus is uniquely qualified to represent humanity through his death, the pen, paying the penalty for our sins. He took the punishment for our sins on himself, and he was raised from the dead on the third day. And, and that's, he's uniquely qualified as one of us to represent us. He built a bridge for imperfect humanity to relate to a perfect God. That's a great thing. But here's something that was true back then when Jesus lived and walked on this earth. He still lives, of course, but when he walked on this earth, uh, it's true still true today. This is still true. Jesus had a mixed reception from the people he made. Going back to John's prologue, speaking of the word, uh, verses 10 through 13 say, he was in the world and the world was created through him and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The world, it says, this passage says, the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. All were slow to recognize him in his day. If they recognized him at all, and they were slow. To recognize here means to acknowledge his identity, who he really was. That was a process for people when he was alive, and it's still a process for us today. This, this shouldn't surprise us, really. We see with our natural eyes, and we tend to come to natural conclusions. But with Jesus, there was clearly more than meets the eye. He, he was God in the flesh. It says he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. He was born to an earthly family, a Jewish family. We'll look close, more closely at that next week. He went to his own people, the nation of Israel, and he was rejected by them. Many rejected him, sadly. Look at this prophecy spoken from God through the prophet named Isaiah around 700 years before Jesus came. This was prophecy concerning the Messiah, who turns out was Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53.3 He was despised, despised 
and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised, and we didn't value him. We didn't think he was important, but here he is, the God of the universe that created us. It's Christmas time, and you might not hear anything about Christ in the stores or the mall or the movies that pull us into the nostalgia of the season. And frankly, you have to work really hard and be intentional to find Christ in Christmas these days. But it's so important for Christ followers to focus on who Jesus was and the real meaning behind Christmas. We're told that a few received him. He started with a few men and women. He called them to follow him, and they did. They left everything to follow him. The movement that Jesus started with just a few men and women has grown to 31.2% of the world. That's almost one-third of the entire world that is following Jesus Christ in some way. Jesus, our creator, came to make a way for us to have a relationship with God. He was willing to bear the punishment we deserved on the cross and build a bridge so that we could relate to God and experience the forgiveness and eternal life and hope that we have in him. This is great news for all those who believe in him. John 1.12 says, and we read it earlier, but to all who did receive him, He gave them the right to be the children of God to those who believe in his name. The word believe here in this passage and throughout the entire New Testament is a Greek word that means to believe to the extent that you completely trust and obey. You you do what the person you trust says. You obey their commands. When you believe in Jesus Christ, When you receive him, you receive him for who he is, the Lord and maker of the universe. And this is the reception that makes all the difference. You are given the right to become children of God. So many Christmas carols include this idea of receiving. Maybe the most well-known Christmas carol is Joy to the World. And it says this, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. In this passage in John 1, he's, he's, he's giving us the identity of the person that we're preparing our heart to make up residence in. He is the creator of the entire universe. He's Everything that's been made has been created by him. And we need to prepare our heart for him and enjoy 
his presence in us. How, how do you prepare for royalty? There's a beautiful estate in Ireland called the Muckress House. It was built in 1843. Here's a picture of it. Beautiful. The most important thing that ever happened there was a visit from the Queen of England. At that time, the Queen was ruler over Great Britain, Ireland, even India, and the British Empire spread throughout much of the world. She was a big deal. How do you prepare for the most important leader in the world staying in your place? They prepared by putting up tapestries, mirrors, Persian carpets, silverware, musical instruments, linen, fancy china, and new uniforms for all the servants. They spent several years preparing and spared no expense. In, in fact, they may have spent way too much for this arrival of this important guest. Sadly, when the clean queen arrived, she wasn't impressed. Instead of staying for a while, she cut her visit short and went back to her palace in England. Here's a picture of the queen at the time. She doesn't look like she would be impressed by very much, does she? <laughs> That's for sure. Jesus, our maker, came to live among us. He, he did not reject us. He, he did not, he, he, the world was a mess that he stepped into. But in his grace and mercy, he didn't do what we deserved, which would have been turn around and go back to his throne in heaven. But he came to identify and connect with us. Aren't you glad? I am. He wasn't content to rule from a distance, lording it over us, but he came to live among us. He he didn't come to look down at his nose at us, but he he didn't come to make us feel inadequate. He came as one of us in the lowliest places, a manger. He was born in a an animal feeding trough in a stable. He makes it easy for us to receive him. As we decorate for Christmas this year, maybe you've already decorated, as you enjoy the decorations and you put up the Christmas lights, you and I can remember that all our decorations are meant to be symbols of our hearts preparing room for Jesus. Jesus is willing to come to the humblest of homes and dwell with people who simply prepare him room. I want to encourage you to think through the truths that we I've talked about in this message. And I've suggested a couple of next steps that you could take. You may have others. There are some really practical ways that you can prepare for the Christmas season and join in the anticipation. Here are some suggestions. My next step today is to respond to Jesus by receiving him. 
maybe for the first time, for the first time, you want to commit your life to Christ and you're ready to do that today. If you're ready to do that, write receive on in capital letters on the back of your connection card under the comments section. If you'd like to get some more information on what it means to commit your life to Christ or to receive Jesus Christ into your life, uh, then check info about beginning a relationship with Christ or meeting up with someone to clarify what it means to commit my life to Christ. The second step would be, and it may include a few steps, uh, would be prepare your home and heart as you put up lights. Jesus is light. That, that's what the lights are all about at Christmas time. Wrap Christmas step, uh, presents. As, as you wrap the Christmas presents, remember that Jesus is God's gift to us. He is the ultimate present that God has given to us. As you put up your tree and decorate the tree, God's love for us is evergreen in Jesus Christ. He, he never fails. It's an unfailing love. And we can trust him to do that. As you sing hymns about Jesus' arrival, carols, joy to the world, or other, other Christmas carols, you can, you can really worship through those carols. I, I, I have a playlist on my, my phone and Many stations play Christmas carols this time of year. Worship as you hear them. Read John 1 and reflect on receiving Jesus and who he is and what John says about his identity and set your heart to follow. And then watch the chosen pilot or go to the theater and see the uh, Christmas special that is in the theaters right now that's the chosen Christmas special. Um, I've given a, a link to the chosen pilot episode on your, your handout there. And <clears throat> ask God to capture your heart in the season. The chosen has done a really good job of showing who Jesus was, and he's winsome. He relates to his disciples as a real person, but yet everybody knows he's God himself. <laughs> it's dawning on the disciples slowly, but they know there's something special about him, and he's a real he's real fun to be around. And I, that's how I would imagine it was when he was living here on earth. So check that out. Check out the pilot, the the pilot of Chosen, and I, I think you'll really enjoy it and find it meaningful. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for what you've done at Christmas. You have descended into our world and you are God, and 
we didn't deserve this. But through your grace and mercy and kindness, you have stepped into our world to make a way for us to relate to you. You have helped us feel understood. And I ask, God, that you would help us to set out to obey you and to please you and to honor you as we live our lives. Help us to take these steps or others that you've laid on our heart to uh, really honor you and glorify you and give us the strength to take these steps that you've laid on our heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.